Morning. How are we doing? Doing all right? We're here. That's a plus. That's a start. Um, I'm glad we're back. Uh, it, you know, the, after last week, I wasn't totally sure who all would be here, but uh, the few, the proud, uh, the broken, we're here. That's good. That's good. So uh, welcome to Northwest Hills. My name is Josh. I, I'm one of your pastors. Uh, this has been a fun little series. We've been talking about marriage. I've uh, been talking about really God's design, both through Genesis in terms of humanity as a whole, and then us in particular as, as it relates to being a husband. What's that call as it relates to being a wife? What's that call? And, and today, uh, what we're going to look at is, is really kind of take um, a slower approach to things because I've, I've been up here really... I've had like an hour and 15 minutes worth of work that I got to get in in 40, and that 40 is turning into 50, and that's just going against my plan. So we're going we're gonna to slow things down. Uh, it'll be a little shorter today, so we'll have some extended time at the end uh, to respond in, in worship, through singing, and uh, through communion, and through giving. So um, today uh, we, we are kind of slowing things down, which is good. We got to breathe a little. Also, uh, in terms of content, we've been really uh, hitting pretty hard this, this theme of marriage, and today we're still talking about marriage, but we're going to kind of take a bigger view in terms of humanity as a whole and, and how our calling um, really to, to cultivate, to lead, to honor, to respect, um, how that at times wars against us. Uh, and then uh, as it relates to our marriage, how our call to both respect and to initiate how that wars against us as well. So we're looking at Genesis 3. I just, I couldn't do a series uh, around Genesis and not do the implications of chapter 3. We got to get to the fall and really how, uh, how it affects all of us because it affects us in a great way. So uh, we'll be in Genesis 3. Uh, let's pray and get after it. Heavenly Father, you are an amazing God. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather as a people, um, a people who long to know you, a people who long to know your word. But more than just longing to know your word, God, we need to be a people who want to follow you. God, so as we, as we hear bits and pieces of your word, I pray that your words would drive us towards a life after you. God, that's what we want. We don't want just more information. God, we want application. That's, that's our goal here. But, but I can, all I can do is give information. And I can plead towards application, but we need your spirit to move in us and work in us to get towards that application piece. So God, we ask that you would do just that. We would ask that you would move us, that you would drive us. God, as we're looking at the reality of, of how things are, um, it's pretty frustrating, to be honest. It's frustrating that you've called us to live a certain lifestyle, yet everything that we've been called to, to lead and to love and to cultivate, Lord, that wars against us. And that can, that can really wear on us. So we pray that we would just continue um, to, to be watchful, to fight the good fight, to, to realize that this isn't it. This is just a, a small fraction of what you have for us. God, I, I long for the day that we get to be with you in eternity forever. God, I pray that you'd come back soon. I pray that we would pray that prayer often. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. So in the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at uh, the first parts of Genesis. 
How in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, we have uh, really kind of the meta-narrative in chapter 1 where, where God creates. It, it, it's this language of, of let this happen, let this happen, let this happen. Let the waters do this. Let the earth do this. Let the land do this. And interlaced with all this language of let this happen is, is the language that God is the, the causal power behind all of it. We get to uh, humanity, and, and far more than just kind of let this happen, let this happen, we have kind of direct uh, God creating with this language of, of let us, of, of kind of this triune, this trinity, let us make man. So we are, we're distinct, we're different from all of creation, we know this. Um, not only are we different, but we are called, we are mandated uh, via chapter 1, 26, 28, 215, to take care of, to cultivate. That's, that's what we do as men and women. Um, so today I want to look at what does it mean to cultivate as a man? What does it mean to, to take care of as a woman? Um, we're looking at both of those things um, really as they relate to um, our calling in Genesis 1 and 2. But we know that we are called to, to subdue. Right, the, the Hebrew word here, subdue, is kabosh, like to, to tread over, to rule over. That's what we're asked to do as men and women who are um, co-partners in cultivating this earth. Um, we are also told to rule, uh, radah, to, to rule over, to, to have dominion, to dominate, to subjugate, to cultivate. Um, and all of these I- ideas are pre-fall. They're, they're before the fall. So God creates, he puts us in the garden to work, to subjugate, to cultivate, and that's, that's before the fall. Right? So, so kind of the best phrase I can use to kind of remember this is, uh, Adam had to mow the lawn, right? And that's, that's before the fall. There, there were no weeds at this point, but he's still having to mow the lawn, right? Like, I don't know how he did it. He didn't have a lawnmower or John Deere. I, I don't know. How do you cut a branch? I guess he used sticks, uh, logs, I don't know. But, uh, his job was to cultivate, to, to suppress, to take care of this pre-fall. Right, so if your idea of perfection is, is just hanging out on some beach somewhere, doing nothing but sipping a drink and watching the waves, like, I'll contend that in the end that'll be frustrating because you weren't created to do that. You were created to work. Uh, you were created to actually accomplish something in life. So um, I hope we're all doing that. I think we all are. Uh, we're going to look at uh, how we do that differently as men and women here because we do it very differently. Right, guys and girls absolutely uh, brilliantly display God's glory and equality, but totally different. Right, so so last week I had women come up to me saying, "Man, thank you so much for uh, just reminding my husband about this whole uh, idea of cuddling without expectation." Right, and then I have men saying, "Thank you so much for telling uh, my family that we need to make good, passionate, biblical, gospel-centered love." Right, so we we are very different. Like that's. If, that, if you didn't get that, you weren't here last week or I wasn't clear enough. Um, but we're, we're different, right? So, so how are we different? We're, we're going to look at guys first and we're going to look at girls in terms of our calling to, to be uh, leaders, to cultivate this world. So, so guys, um, let me speak to you here for a second. And ladies, this, this probably will not be a surprise to you at all. Um, and, and again, I'm, I'm using very broad terms here. I, I understand that there will be some of us who don't fit into these nice, neat categories. You know, some of, some of your sons like to paint nails and, and my little ponies and some of your daughters like to kill things. But I'm just, in general, I'm going to kind of display how God creates us. So, so men, right, our longing, the, the way that God created us was to be builders. We are, cont- uh, we are cultivators. We are conquerors. 
That's the way God made us. We have an insatiable desire to win, don't we? This is the lamest group of guys. Come on, first service was better. Like, we want to win, don't we? Yes, come on. We got guys in here. We got men. Maybe you all like doing the nail thing. I don't know, but I think generally... We are men here. We, we want bigger. We want stronger. We want faster. And I don't think we need to apologize about that. That's the way God made us. Right? You, you throw a bunch of guys together, and what happens? <laughs> competition. Right? Isn't it competition? I don't care where you are. I don't care if you've got two guys or if you've got 30. If you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're around some water and you've got guys, what are you doing? You're throwing a stick in the water and you're saying, okay, who can hit it first? Right? And, and if not that, then you're seeing how many times can you skip the, the rock across the water. Right? And that gets a little complicated because once you get past like four or five and it starts to slide, then it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I got twelve. I got twelve. Right? And that's, that's just who we are. We want to win. We want to build things. We need tasks, don't we? We, we always need to be accomplishing something. Um, a, a man without a task is dangerous. I'm just going to throw that out there. If you've got nothing to do, you're going to get in trouble. Right? So, so women, find tasks for your guys. I know you already know this, but we need projects, right? And, and we measure our success differently here, don't we? Like, so for some, it's, it's the project of the dollar bill. Like, got to get me some more of those dollar bills, right? And, and we measure our success for that. For some, it's I got to keep building onto my house. You know, it's, it's the yard, it's the car, it's, it's this, it's that. It's, it's conquering Zelda or Halo 4, or whatever you got to do. Like, we, we're all over the place, but we, we're conquerors. I mean, that's... That's the way that God made us. And, and again, I don't, I don't think we need to apologize about that. I mean, that's, that's just who we are. God created us uh, to rule, right? Um, women, co- co-partners in subjecting, don't look nervous, I'm going to be gentle. Uh, co-partners uh, in, in ruling, in subjecting the earth. But I think uh, when God says to, uh, yes, fill it and to take care of it, and to work it, I think you're better at taking care of it. Right? I, I really believe that. I believe that women are uh, more nurturers by their nature. I think you're much better at nurturing. Right? So when you're sick, who do you go to? You go to mommy or your daddy? You go to mommy. Right? Maybe some like, oh, my dad's much nicer. He just gives me candy. Well, that's because he doesn't love you. Uh, no, I'm joking. He, that's because he doesn't have to deal with you. Mommy's there, right? So daddy loves you. Um, mom's... He, you have just this beautiful desire to, to I, I'll use the word beautification, to make things better. Right? To, you see something and you know when something's off. Right? You, you, you have uh, this innate ability to, to constantly try to make things look good. Right? So whether that's your house, whether that's your yard. Like, so in the garden, I, I really see Adam as like, he's doing a lot of the work. And he's, he's there with him, but she's all saying like, Adam, what about this? What about this? We've got, we got to do this. This is like a co-partner thing. So, women, you're, you're amazing nurturers. You know people very well. Right? I, I, sometimes I'll, I'll be with my wife, and we'll leave a situation, and she'll say, you know, like, man, that poor woman, I felt so bad for her. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, well, she was crying. Didn't you see that? I'm like, I thought it was allergies. She's like, no, clearly she's bawling. Like, she just has this, this really innate desire and a really uh, just acute awareness of, of people's needs. And, and I, I believe that that is universal. And, and again, like, uh, I'm using broad terms here. I, I understand that there's some crossover. And, and I would be the first one to say that I'm, I'm more on the nurturing side than a lot of my friends, right? So uh, I don't need to share too much about that. But uh, I, 
Uh, just a little little insight. So we're in this process of, of trying to buy a house with my, my wife and I, and we're shopping in what is called the as-is section, which means that, you know, everything's advertised like great fixer-upper, as-is, great property. And so um, the, the houses that we're buying, or that we're buying, the, the houses that we've been trying to buy, we are offering less than the value of the land. So just without the property on it. So um, we'll walk into a place and my wife will say, man, that looks, that looks amazing. I'm just going like, honey, there ain't no roof on that. Like, there's a tree in the bathroom. Like, I, I, I have a desire also that things look nice. And if I, if I really dig deep, though, like, I, I really believe, and this is just me being honest, that my desire for things to look good, whether it's me liking clothes or, or liking this and that, is my desire to conquer. And I think that that's one way that I show, like, hey, I'm better than everyone. Right? That's, and, and I mean, I don't... I'm not better than everyone. I'm, I'm confessing sin. God, you guys are brutal. And we, we know, we see this, that, that we're very different. My daughter, uh, she, she loves stuffed animals, dolls. She'll grab them. And she just rocks them. She's such a little nurturer. She's so cute. And, and I don't have a son yet. I hope someday I will. But uh, I've got a little neighbor boy. He's awesome. He's six. And he comes over all the time. A couple weeks ago, uh, I'm taking a nap on the couch. It's after Sunday. I'm just beat. And uh, oftentimes, he just walks in the door. And so he, he kind of knocks. And I, it was just me there. And, and I kind of thought it was him. So I just, I'm, I'm just going to keep sleeping. He walks in. He comes over to me. And he starts tapping. He's like, Josh, Josh. I'm like pretending I'm asleep because I don't really want to hang out at this point. And he full on gives me a headlock. And he's, I mean, he's ready to go. He wants to conquer. He, if he could do anything, it would just be constant wrestling. And he's six. He ain't got no shot against me, but he's going to do what he can. Helps when I'm sleeping. We're, we're, we're very different. We're very different as men and women. So we, we've been called to, to have dominion, to take care of, to nurture. Right? But, but beyond just, just us as, as men and women, we're also looking at um, our roles, our callings as husbands and wives. Right? So wives, we talked about last week, your call is to help co-partner, to help lead, to be, a, or to be a helper, right, through honoring, through respecting. We talked about how we're called to um, pray for our husbands, how we're called to respect him via our words and via our mind and via our time, right? And then we looked at the guys and we said, guys, our call as men is to be the initiators in marriage as Christ initiated the salvation of his bride, the church, right? And we looked at what that takes. That takes an incredible sacrifice, so, so we have um, kind of these four areas. We have women's natural call. We have men's natural call. We have wives' call. And we have husbands' call. And really what I want to look at today is why in the world are these things so hard? Why, why is it so hard to, to conquer? Why is it so hard to, to nurture? Why is it so hard to lead? Why is it so hard to respect? Right? And I think, I think we have to, if we're going through Genesis, we have to look at chapter 3 and look at the reality of the life that you and I live in. Uh, we live in a world that is fallen. We live in a post-fallen, a post-Genesis 3 world. So we've got to get there. So let's go Genesis 3. We're going to read most of it here. So uh, if you've got a Bible, follow along. That's in the beginning of the Bible new. You look on page one or two, you'll get there. Um, here we are, the fall. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Interesting, God makes him 
He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, he's saying to the man, he calls to the man, this is our call of leadership. He says, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Then God pronounces uh, really the curse for the serpent, uh, for the woman and for the man. Starting in 14, this is to the serpent. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, so this is to women. He says this, he says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Sorry. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, this is to us men. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. Looking at the curse to the, the woman and to the man, um, we're really um, re, we're, we're revealed just an amazing truth that, that deals with these kind of four spheres of how we're called to, to live and to lead. Uh, I want to look at uh, verse 17 and verse 16 in particular. So uh, as he says to the woman, he says this. He says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And then he says this. He says, your desire shall be for your husband. Right? So, so last week we looked at this calling for women to, to love your husband by respecting him, by honoring him, by praying for him, and, and all these things. And, and here, the curse for women post-fall is your desire shall be for your husband. Well, what this means is you will have a desire to not let your husband lead and you will have an innate desire to lead for yourself. You will want his job. You are going to want his role. So, so women, you are going to want to do everything that you can to take his job in terms of leading the home, in terms of uh, leading the family. That is your curse. Men, it says... Uh, in verse 16, and he shall rule over you, right? We looked at our calling as men. 
We are to lead by, by a sacrificial initiation, like Christ initiated the salvation of his church, the bride of Christ. That's what we're called to do. But now, because of the fall, because sin enters humanity, we are going to want to rule over them. We're going to want to domineer. So instead of sacrificing, we're going to suppress. We're going to say, no, this is my way. I'm the man of the house. This is how my house be run. That is our curse. Our curse is, is not towards sacrificially loving, sacrificially serving, initiating. Our curse is to dominate. Anyone ever feel this at times in the home? Women wanting to lead, wanting to take the man's job. Man wanting to dominate. That is our curse. But it, but it goes deeper than just that. So, so we have this, this call to, to individuals, to wives and husbands, but then we have this call to, to men and women, and it goes deeper. Verse 17, this is the curse to the man as well, not just to who he is, but what he's called to cultivate. Verse 17, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Everything that we are called to cultivate, Everything we're called to conquer, everything we are called to lead into relationship will at times fight against us. You, you see that the curse here is not just to men, it's not just towards women, it's towards everything that we're trying to do. It's towards the ground itself gets cursed. This is, this is incredibly frustrating. Because we, we, we look at things, and these aren't bad things, right? So you look at um, a, a man who loves the Lord and who wants to sacrificially lead and serve his wife. This verse just told us that your wife's going to war against you. And, and wives, your, your, your call is to, to love and to honor your husband, and he's going to war against you. And, and to lead and honor our children, to lead them into the way of Christ, well, that's going to war against you. And for your job, right, at, at work, you're called to cultivate, you're called to create a great empire as, as a business, as an employee, as whatever you are, and that itself is going to war against you. That's hard, isn't it? Why, why in the world is that true? Why, why, if, if I had to choose, I, I would not choose things like this. Right? I would say, God, this, this is a bad plan here. Right? Can't it just be that I love my wife, she loves me, things are great. I mean, isn't that a much better plan for successful marriages? Rather than, oh no, everything you love is going to war against you. Everything you're called to cultivate will at times fight back. And why? And, and, and even a deeper question, why, why the need for the fall? Right? So, so maybe I'm alone here, but has anyone ever thought like, this seems like a bad trade. They eat one piece of fruit. All of humanity, henceforth, is cursed. Right? Does that, does that seem unfair a little bit? Or are you all theologians? You're like, no, that is absolutely fair. It's absolutely righteous. God is good in that. Right? Like the, our humanity in this has to say, and what, why the need for the fall? Couldn't God have just forgiven? I mean, after all, Love and, and peace and yogurt and granola. Like, can't God just forgive everything? Right? Why, why the need for the fall here? Why, why did this happen at all? It, it, it asks some big questions. Right? Uh, I can't answer all of them now, but I'll, I'll try to answer a few of them. We'll say this. We'll say that the fall wasn't an accident. That's interesting. It, it was part of God's plan. 
How do, we, how do we know this? We know that Jesus Christ, redemption, the cross, that wasn't plan B. It, it, we didn't have creation, Genesis 1, 2, 3, and God says, uh-oh, what are we going to do? Anyone, Holy Spirit, Jesus, draw straws. Okay, Jesus, you got this. You're going to fix this. Like, that's not what happened. From the beginning, we see this. We see this as Peter explains in Acts 2. We see it was the plan from the beginning that Jesus Christ was on board here. But why? We see that, um, that even Satan falling, a creature that God created, that was not outside of God's control. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He knows all. He's all-powerful. He could have stopped it. And if he couldn't have, he wouldn't be God. He could have stopped it, but he didn't. He let it go. But why? Why so much pain? Why, why, a, why a relationship that, man, we're constantly at odds with one another? I mean, even if things are going well, it's just a matter of time before things get hard again. Why, why in work? Why is work always so hard? I'm going to do my best shot at explaining how all of this points towards the gospel, because I absolutely believe it does. I'm going to give you two scenarios here. The first scenario is uh, my wife and I. We, uh, we fall in love in high school. You know, it's, oh, it's so cute. It's so fun. You know, high school sweethearts. Um, we get married after college. It's just it's wonderful. We start having kids. We've got four or five kids, and, and it's great. We, we never have a fight. I mean, it's fantastic. We've literally never had one argument in our whole life. So when, when my daughter's like six, I'm going to preach to her the gospel, and maybe even f- probably three. And she's just going to say, absolutely, that makes so much sense. I love the Lord. I will follow him wholeheartedly, and she will never rebel against me. She's never going to sin. It's going to be amazing. That's, that's a great life, isn't it? Right? Like, this is a scenario. It's make-believe, obviously, okay? Come on here. And then on this side, we have... We have a totally different scenario. So we have, we have uh, my wife and I, you know, we get married after college, after falling in love in high school, and uh, things are good for a while. You know, we, we're normal people. We fight, and we've got problems, and we've got lots of problems. But, but after a while, you know, eight, nine years in, you know, she just says, you know what, I'm, I'm done. Right? I'm, I'm tired of the whole church thing. Gosh, it sucks being a pastor's wife. I really, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't even, I don't even believe any of this anymore. Like, there was a time and a season when, when I did, but... You know, I just read it. And I, don't, I don't ever receive anything. And so, gosh, Josh, I'm just tired of you. I just, I'm done. And, and she leaves, right? And then I have to just constantly pursue her. Like, I probably have to quit my job. And I, I just, maybe I, I love you, though. I'm, I'm sorry. Let, let's work this out. And she, she goes away. She comes back. She goes away. She comes back. She's kind of in. She's kind of out. Like, that's, that would be really hard, wouldn't it? But, but isn't this a better picture of the gospel? Isn't this display... God's love for us better than this. Because over here we have the bride, we have the church, a.k.a. you and I, who constantly run away, don't we? Who constantly look to find our affection in something other than our Savior. Who constantly want to to find gratification, to find satisfaction, to find hope, to find peace in anything but the God who loves us and gave His life for us. I think that is absolutely true. In our fallen state, Everything that we've been called to pursue will war against us. And through that warring against us, we are in constant reminder, constant reminder of how you and I war against the God of the universe and how through it all, he continues to pursue us, continues to love us, continues to say, you know what, you're my my guy. You're my girl, I got you. I want you, I'm gonna follow you, I'm gonna follow you. 
I, I think that our broken world displays that far better than any other world. I think that the gospel is so seen in the brokenness of our world. Uh, a God that enters into, a God that doesn't escape from, but that, a God that enters into and says, you're mine. I'm going to keep pursuing you, keep loving you. But, but how do we live in all this? Right? How, how do we live? Because, because what we just were told was, you've been called as men to lead. You've been called as women to honor. You've been called as men in general to, to conquer. You've been called as women to, to co-conquer. I think you girls are great at winning also. I think you're just a little more crafty at it. Um, how do we do that when I just said that every day is going to be a war against you? How do we do that? I mean, that we got to have some hope here. Because if I'm just up here and I'm saying, man, life's hard. It's a great reminder of the gospel. But what do we do? Like, we, we got to get somewhere. So, so in closing, I want to I go to 1 Peter. Get your Bibles. Let's go 1 Peter 5. I think Peter does an exceptional job at showing how our uh, response should be knowing the reality of, of the world that you and I live in. So 1 Peter 5. We're going to walk through uh, verses 6 through 11. We're going to take it in chunks here. give you one more second. That's a small book. First Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares about you. So in all of this, we want to come at it with an attitude of humility. Right? If you're going to lead, you've got to serve. You've got to be someone who's willing to, to come under. You've got to be a, a humble person. Right? In fact, in, in terms of relationship, in terms of husband and wife, the Bible describes one type of competition that's really healthy in a marriage. And it's from Romans 12, I believe. I think around verse 10. Outdo one another in honor. In honor. How do you honor someone? You, you honor someone by saying, what, what you desire, I desire more for you. I want what you want more than I want what I want. And so there's this just constant competition between husband and wife. I want to honor you. I want to honor you. I want to honor you. In humility, we live in this earth. Casting our anxieties on him. We, the promise here is that, man, we're going to be anxious. Right? That's, that's the, the, the gospel isn't you get Jesus and life becomes okay. The gospel is you get Jesus and he walks through life with you. And so he knows that we're going to be anxious at times. He knows that there are going to be these days when, man, everything seems to be warring against us, including ourselves. But we get Jesus through this. And I love at the end of 7, it says, because he cares for you. Man, if, if you don't hear anything in these last five weeks or these, this series, like, I hope you know that Jesus cares for you. Right? And... and I, I really believe that sometimes we think he cares for us and likes us in, in like our perfect state. He cares and likes you just as you are right now. All screwy, weird, crazy looking. We're all a bunch of people who have many needs. And Jesus cares about us. As we came in the, today, as we're sitting down, Jesus cares about us. And that is good, good news. Then he says uh, in verse 8, he says, Be sober-minded and watchful. He says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, 
firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I love this being sober-minded, being watchful. Being watchful. How do you be watchful? Right? It's, it's different for each of us, for, for husbands and wives. If you know that, that you have a propensity towards trying to take someone else's role, towards trying to dominate, how do you be watchful on your own life? Right? Aren't, aren't there times when you know, like, if this happens, then I'm just, I'm just not the husband I'm supposed to be. Like, maybe, maybe you, it's when you find yourself extra tired. You know, then you're just irritable and you're, and you're not the man God's called you to be, right? Get yourself some sleep, right? If maybe it's, it's in a season of you're just not taking care of your body and you're just not feeling good about yourself, then, then get yourself some exercise, right? However you be watchful, you, you know when you're prone to fall. You, you know when you're irritable. You know when you're cranky. Be watchful. It's important. Be watchful. Who, who are the type of people you're hanging out with? Are they encouraging you to, to love and lead your family? Are they encouraging you to honor and respect your husband? Be watchful. Choose your friends very wisely. The verse also says, resist him. Firm in your faith. Resist the devil. It's, everything is trying to, to speak against what God's called you to do. And it says, stand firm in your faith. And, and I want us to hear this. We're, we're not meant to do this alone. I, I've said this so many times in here. The Christian faith is not a solo ride. Right? So I've done everything that I can. I'm going to continue to do everything I can to make sure that, that you don't just show up here, but that you actually belong here. Right? That you don't just attend, but you're part of something. That you, you're a part of a community of people who know you because, man, that's, that's part of resisting him. You, know, you, you need help in that. You need accountability in that. You need people who, who are looking out for you. You can't do it on your own. And, man, we... Especially us guys, we just, we just want to be solo. We want to ride it out on our own. And God says, no, you need the body. You are a small part of a body, and the body needs you, and you need the body. You've got to belong. It's super, super important. Arrogance says, I got this on my own. Humility says, I need the body. Lastly, as we close here, in verse 10, he says, After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Okay, as, as we've been walking through this marriage series, um, we've said many times that we are all over the board in terms of where we are in the health of our marriage. Some of us um, have gone through nasty divorces. Some of us are thinking about it right now. Some of us have been married 40, 50 years, and we're all in between there. And I want us to understand that, that through all this, we, we understand we're in a very broken world. We understand that we can do what we can do, and we've been working on it. That's, that's what we've been walking through this series on, is working through making small steps. But in the end, we have this, this beautiful call here that says Christ is going to restore. He's going to confirm, he's going to strengthen, and he's going to establish us. So if, if you've had a season of hurt, it's such a good reminder that this is temporary. This is absolutely temporary. And it's short. It goes very fast. Those who are, who've been around longer will tell you it goes like this. This is not our home. We are sojourners. We are, we are temporary citizens. We are aliens, the text says. We got somewhere else we're going. So how often are we reminded of this? We're, we're reminded every single day when we try to do something and what we try to do wars against us. And Christ says, one day, all will be made well. 
One day you will be able to love and lead like I called you to do. One day you'll be able to honor. One day you'll be able to build and there won't be no weeds. Won't that be awesome? It's a great day. So as we close here, we're going to come into an extended time. Again, uh, communion's available. Take, take it if you want on your own time. We've got three, four songs. Um, take, take this time though to really think about where you are in terms of who you are as a, as a wife, who you are as a husband. And then this, the fact that we live in a very broken world that, call, that really fights against us. It, but we're also called to fight back. We're also called to resist. We're also called to be a part of a body. Figure out how you belong. Figure out where you give. Figure out where you serve. Super important. Next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking very pointed things in terms of marriage relationship. So come back, I pray. Let's get after the Lord together here. Lord, thank you for your word. God, it is a world that we live in that is very broken. Um, but it's not without hope. We, we have small glimpses of things. We have glimpses of you um, through people, glimpses of you through restoration, through love. And, and we know that all of us in here, whether we're married, whether we were married, whether we aren't married, Lord, we, we, all, need, um, we all need you. We all need the cross. We all um, need the gospel, the gospel that says you're going to pursue us even if we're running away from you. God, and, and I pray that we would take this broken world of ours and that we would understand that you know what? We are the ones who are broken. We're the ones who run away. We're the problem. But you're the initiator. You're the one who comes in and saves us. God, we want to be a people who praise your name because you're good and you've saved us. We love you. Amen.